Welcome to the Agency Profit Podcast, a show dedicated to going deep space on agency operations, which is just as nerdy as it sounds. I'm your host, Marcel Petipoff. I'm the CEO of Parakeeto, a firm that helps digital and creative agencies measure and improve their profitability. Join me as I interview some of the smartest thought leaders and agency owners in our space and go deep into operations and metrics and all the other things you need to get right so you can spend less time worrying about operations and more time executing on your vision. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Agency Profit Podcast. I'm joined today by a very special guest who's going to be helping us break down how to think about hiring and talent in a global remote work world where everything has changed. We've all kind of been through that process. We've all seen what happened over the last year with COVID. Uh, He is currently the CEO of JobRack helping agencies and SaaS companies connect with high quality talent over in Eastern Europe and comes with 15 plus years of experience in recruiting and leading teams at Fortune 500 companies. So with all of that, Noel Andrews, thank you so much for joining us today on the show. Hey, Marcel, no worries. Great to be uh, great to be here. Well, I'm really excited for this interview because this is a topic that I spend a lot of time talking to people about, but it's not my bag, right? Like I understand the numbers behind this, but when it comes to figuring out how much somebody should be getting paid, I feel like everything I used to know about this has gone out the window now and has changed. So really excited to dig into some of the nuance of this with you. But before we do that, I want to give you an opportunity to, in your own words, just talk a little bit more about what you do and who you serve. Yeah, no worries. So uh, I bought JobRack uh, back in 2018. Uh, it existed for about three years at that point, and uh, it had been kind of built up originally around kind of helping people hire developers, like software engineers and developers from Eastern Europe against, uh, you know, where do you go to find really good people that you can afford uh, in early stages of your agency or your business um, that are kind of ideally, you know, a little bit more closely culturally aligned uh, with the Western world, you know, straight communication, kind of get things done hard work ethic and Eastern European is Eastern Europe, sorry, is that is that kind of sweet spot. Um, and yeah, I jumped in, I'd had a whole background in kind of corporate uh, IT technology, leadership, loads of kind of large team building and hiring. And um, yeah, it was uh, kind of a real kind of serendipity type moment uh, that JobRack became available, like the fact that it was like niche down, um, and could see a huge opportunity within uh, the world of remote work, probably not no one foresaw the last kind of 18 months or so and what's gone on. Um, but yeah, just it's just a great kind of spot. And so we've built it out from there. And I now help kind of business owners, all kinds of online business owners, but especially agencies, uh, hire you know, high quality people um, you know, for you know, affordable costs. We don't tend to lead on the cost side of things, although it is significant, um, but it's about the quality. Uh, you know, and a lot of the time right now in the Western world, you can't find quality people with the kind of work ethic that you know, us agency owners want um, for anything like what we can, uh, what we can afford. So uh, it kind of hits, that, hits the spot pretty well. Yeah. And I mean, you're absolutely right. We're, we're seeing this, we're, you know, we're in the middle of a couple of audits right now with clients and we're hearing this narrative of like, we're hiring new people now that have less experience than our team and we're paying them more. So we're having to lift everybody's salary and our margins are just vanishing into thin air. And this is like a concept that I want to tee the episode up with, right? Is like, if you think about what your average billable rate has to be, you generally want to try and get 50 to 70% margin for what you earn per hour 
versus what you're costing, you know, on, on average per hour for, for the labor that's doing the work. So if you can drop that cost per hour, that means one of two things, either you improve your margins or you no longer have to be pricing things as high to still maintain a great margin. So there's a lot of value in understanding how to properly uh, compensate people and how to find arbitrage opportunities. And we're going to be digging into that. The first question I have for you, Noel, is what has changed since COVID kind of pushed remote work? I would say like we we fast forwarded 10 years uh, in the life cycle. I think we all knew that remote work was the future, but the uh, pace at which we got to where we are today, where it's so much more commonplace, most large organizations are now going to have to maintain or adapt to some form of remote or hybrid working. How has that changed the talent market and the way that companies are recruiting and compensating people? So the biggest change is simply competition, right? So I used to have employers and still do have employers and agencies coming to me with like a bare minimum job post. And, you know, they're, they're advertising it, at, you know, maybe a couple of thousand bucks a month. And they're like, yeah, but, you know, they should want the job. They get to work remotely. Like that's the big, like that's the most exciting thing going. I'm like, yeah, you're not special anymore, right? The whole world is working remotely, right? And so competition has just changed the playing field completely. Um, and on top of that, you know, the shortage of kind of tech talent out in kind of California and in many places in the US, Canada, UK, etc., um, means that the big companies are now scouting around the world as well. And they're looking and saying, hey, well, maybe we can hire further afield. And actually, maybe that people don't need to be in the office, you know, drawing on the on the glass walls and things like that. They've, they've, had, they've been forced to find ways to work, not, you know, together. Um, and then they've gone and kind of been able to go a little bit further. And so then, you know, they're now digging into these talent pools that previously were reserved for, you know, more niche businesses in a sense that could have started remotely. So competition is the biggest thing that then obviously leads on into, you know, you've got to you know, be a bit more special. You've got to do certain things to make yourself stand out. But that, you know, yeah, just the kind of the sheer amount of competition. And I think the, another factor that a lot of people don't recognize or haven't recognized is that one of the reasons that there's less, there's more competition is because a lot of less people want to work right now. So what people have found during kind of COVID and whether it's because they've lost loved ones or because they've just tasted what it's like to have more time at home, they've gone, yeah, maybe I don't want to work full time anymore. Maybe I don't want to work this job at all anymore. Um, maybe I'm going to do my own thing online. And so the number of, you know, however many millions of developers, software developers there might be in the US, for instance, there is less than there were at the start of COVID uh, that want to work and do these full-time jobs. And that's the same across, across the world. Uh, so that's another kind of big factor. There's just less people that want to work. People have woken up that life is short. Maybe they want to do something a little bit different. And, um, you know, that has an effect too. So I'm really curious, what are you seeing, and I'm sure that there's a mixed bag here, but what are you seeing large companies doing when it comes to adjusting compensation based on where people are in the world? Because um, I can imagine that a company like Netflix or Google or insert, you know, large tech company, um, it's got to be tricky, right? Figuring out like, okay, if they're now going to hire a designer in Bulgaria, how much do they pay that designer when we know that a designer in San Francisco is probably making 200 grand plus per year? So uh, what are the approaches that you're seeing uh, these larger companies take around cost of living and time zone and how that's influencing the arbitrage opportunities that used to be very clear cut in the global talent market? I think it, it, well, it's a really mixed bag at the moment and it's very immature, right? Hybrid working is still, you know, for most of these large companies, it's very, very new and they're still finding their feet. And that's going to be the case, I think, for a few years to come yet. You know, you've got the big high profile cases. Uh, I think Facebook was one of them, for instance, that said, hey, you can move, 
but we're going to then take 20% of your pay, for instance. Um, and I think that that circumstance has moved on a little bit too. So there's, everyone's kind of trying to find their feet because the difficulty is, is if, you know, someone moves from I don't know, San Francisco to Nebraska, right? And they say, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll take a 20% pay cut. Well, what happens if they then move back to San Francisco? Do they get the 20% increase again? Um, it, it becomes very, very difficult to manage. You know, here in the UK, in London, for instance, we've had for years, for, for decades, we've had what's called, referred to as London waiting, which is a, a premium you get for being in the capital because it's more expensive to live. And, you know, I'm facing it within my own team. We're having this conversation. You know, one of the team has just moved to Germany. And, you know, as part of that, her costs have gone up. And so there's a conversation about her salary. But the work that she's doing is still exactly the same. And the value she's providing is still exactly the same. The costs are different. So I think the big companies are still finding their feet. Um, where it's much more complex where you're taking an existing workforce that has previously worked in, let's say, San Francisco, and then people are saying, hey, I don't want to come into the office at all anymore. I want to go and live and work in Wisconsin, for instance, wherever it might be. That's particularly complex. When they're then looking to hire in new places, then far more common is what I see is that they're looking at local cost of living um, and basing it you know, around that. And that's very, very common. Now, arguably, and I think what we'll see over the next few years is that that becomes difficult because you will get, let's say, a graphic designer in Romania, a graphic designer in London and a graphic designer in you know, let's say San Francisco, all working for the same company, none of them ever going into the office, all being paid very different rates, it gets difficult to justify. Um, so I think it's a minefield. I, I think it's very, very tricky. And it's, yeah, going to have to see how it plays out. I think people, most people are reasonably, what's the right word, kind of almost reasonably balanced about it from the employee aspect, right? They kind of recognize that, you know, companies have to do what they can do. And, you know, if they hire locally for an office, they're going to pay more than if you, know, you can sit on the beach in Thailand, for instance. But it's going to change, I think. It's really going to shift. Do you want some free resources to help you measure and improve your profitability? If you do, then I want to tell you about our agency profitability toolkit, which you can grab absolutely free in the show notes or by heading to parakeeto.com forward slash toolkit. It's packed with training videos, cheat sheets, templates, and all kinds of other great resources to help you start measuring and improving the essential metrics that are going to drive better profitability in your business. And it's helped thousands of other agencies around the world do the same. So I want to encourage you to go and grab a copy of that. And if you'd rather get in the fast lane and just have our team of experts guide you through the process of measuring and improving your profitability, then I want to encourage you to apply for a consultation at parakeeto.com. With that, I want to thank you again for tuning in. I hope you enjoy the episode and I'll let you get back to it. Yeah, I think it's a good observation. And the other thing to consider here is it it's easy to feel like the state of the world right now is going to be the state of the world forever. But I remember seven years ago, um, like houses were sitting on the market for three years. It was a total buyer's market. And now, you know, house, house values are doubling every year. Um, same thing with salaries. Like people are getting offers for double what they make today to go transition to another company. But that's not going to last forever. Um, the demand for this job sector of, you know, digital skills, developers, designers, project managers, all that kind of stuff. People are going that there's going to be a, you know, 10 year period where a whole bunch of people are going to be graduating from high school, getting trained, getting experience, and then the, the landscape is going to change. So these things are cyclical. And I think to your point, Noel, like the current state is not going to be the current state for three decades. Um, it's it, the pressure is going to start to release over time. And 
I, I would agree. I would hope that um, there is going to be a lower or sorry, a higher floor to those arbitrage opportunities. But it would be surprising to me if they really went away quickly, quickly enough that it's not still a viable strategy to be building your business on for the foreseeable future. So transitioning now to let's talk about how to put together a great compensation plan for a role and how to think through that. Because of course, um, there's the whole question of how do we figure out what to pay somebody and you know what tools we can be using, what data we can be looking at to inform that. But then there's also the other levers that we might not be always considering that we can pull to make our jobs more attractive and make ourselves more competitive if we're not able to just throw as much money as possible at solving the hiring problem. So how do you think about building really great comp plans? So the most important thing to do is talk to the person you're hiring about them and talk to your team about it. So whenever we are hiring for a role internally or helping a client hire, you know, right from the very, very start, we're asking people with their salary expectation. We're asking kind of what's important to them within the role, you know, as kind of what do they want? Where do they want to go? And I think you build that up and it's very rare that we get, you know, crazy answers. You know, it's really, really rare people are asking for 2x their salary. They're generally pretty honest about it. And when it comes to making an offer, we'll often have a conversation with them and say, look, when you told us the salary you were expecting, were you, you know, kind of highballing it, lowballing it? Was it about right? And just have a conversation. That can surprise some people because some are sensitive talking about money, but it's much better just to have it kind of straight on the table. And before we make an offer and before we ever kind of, you know, make offers for our clients or help them do it, we're always kind of saying, look, let's have a conversation. Let's understand what's important. Do they want their birthday off every year? Is it important that they have a half day on a Friday because they've got a particular hobby? Is it that they want to be kind of have some training courses and some development? Is it that they want to have time to kind of senior people in the business to be able to learn from? And, you know, with agencies, there's tons and tons of different skills they can learn. And so that's the first and most important thing is talk to them and understand what's important to them. Um, you know, a lot of the time, probably 80% of the time, it's non-financial, the things that really make the difference. So for people in Eastern Europe, you know, generally they are looking for long-term stability, right? Which is great because as agency owners, that's what we want, right? We want people that are going to stick to us, not just going to disappear, fly by night because they've got the latest gig offering them another couple of dollars an hour. So talk to them first of all. Um, the second thing, again, it's non-financial. It is about putting across what it's like to work in your company, right? Whether you have great parties and great annual retreats or whether you never meet face-to-face -face and you have no meetings and you have a no meeting culture, whatever kind of life is like, put that across, you know, when you're hiring in a job post, in a little video, whatever it takes to put across what it's like to work in your company because you want people that are attracted uh, to that. And, you know, don't, uh, you know, it's really important not to lose sight of just how attractive working for kind of online businesses that are remote first, perhaps, um, or that have just, you know, are kind of committed to these ways of working. That is really, really, really appealing. Third thing is definitely, you know, focus on making everyone feel like part of the team. So whilst legally they might not be an employee, you know, you might have to use service agreements where they're in another country. Actually, for all intents and purposes, they are an employee, right? They are a team member, part of the team. You should treat them the same as you should treat everyone else. So they're the kind of three kind of most important things for me. There's, then there's kind of specific levers you can do, things like I've got one very, very forward thinking, small, relatively small US agency. They've got about 25 people. Um, and they've, you know, they're doing training stipends, right? They're doing home working payments. So it's like $750 a year towards your home working setup. Um, they do a pretty generous training plan and kind of money towards training. And so whilst their salaries aren't actually that high, everything that goes around it that makes it attractive for people to commit to them and come and work for them is really, really significant. 
Um, and so while sometimes we have to explain that to the candidates and kind of what does it mean and why should they care, you know, generally that the commitment to developing them and their career and their skills, uh, both you know, internally for progression, but also, you know, for a future job elsewhere, possibly, that, that's what's really, that's what we see is really, really important. Mm, yeah, it's a great point, right, to just understand what what is value it's it's like a sales uh, conversation right what is valuable to the yep. candidate in question and what are the non-financial levers we can pull to make this job actually support because ultimately like that's what work for most people and this can be hard to understand i think for entrepreneurs we forget what it's like to just think about our job as a thing that supports our lifestyle because it's it's very easy for us to just see like life and business it's all just one big thing for us hard to create separation there but for most people that's not how they think about it they're thinking about their job as a vehicle to enable all of the other things in their life that are important to them. So if we can shape the job to support that lifestyle, it inherently creates a lot more value. I think that's a super interesting takeaway. I want to double click on this just a little bit and talk about the resources or tools or data that you use to figure out what the range should look like for a person based on where they live. Like, um, of course, there's lots of the, the glass door and salary finders and cost of living index websites. There's lots of things to be looking at. But what do you find to be most reliable? What tips would you have for folks as they're going through that process? So the thing that we find most reliable, and obviously we're very, we're in a position of privilege in that, you know, we are getting, you know, hundreds and thousands of candidates applying for roles and we get to see what they're asking for. And then we also get to see, and we know what our clients are actually hiring and what they're actually paying. Um, so we have that, you know, those conversations, we're very open about, we kind of keep that getting it. We've tried a few times to actually put it into a consumable format, um, you know, like a salary survey or salary publication, kind of a guide. It's really, really difficult because there's so many factors that change it. You know, I could have five senior developer roles all looking for React skills, for instance, and yet they're all completely different. And therefore, it's hard to kind of have comparisons. Um, so the main thing we do is and what we do a lot of the time for clients is people will come to us and say, hey, I'm looking at hiring this role with these skills. Roughly, what should I be paying? We'll get an understanding of what they want and then we'll kind of, you know, use almost our intelligence and what we've seen to be able to guide them. So it's not as concrete as, I'd, you know, it's not quite as simple, especially in Eastern Europe, where, you know, the difference within one country could be 30 or 40 percent based on whether they're living in a primary capital city, a secondary city or a tertiary city. It can really you know, make a huge difference. Um, the nature and the popularity of the scout skills can make a big difference. So I think the best thing is, you know, get input from people hiring in, in the area you're looking at for those skills. So whether that's other agency owners, whether that's uh, online communities and business communities, whether it's hiring sites, whether it's, you know, asking people for, like me, and I'm always happy to, you know, jump on a call or do quick kind of salary checks. And we often, we'll just go and do a quick bit of research. We have access to, you know, hundreds of thousands of job seekers and, and candidates. So it, we can get that intelligence, but we like to do it accurately kind of thing. So it's that, you know, three to five bullets on what does someone want? Where's the right place to hire? Um, and then go from there. Outside of that, yeah, you know, uh, resources like Glassdoor, et cetera, are great but you kind of, they're not perfect. So for me, there's nothing as good as just talking to people that have hired recently. And, you know, if you, let's say you're looking for a particular role, if you were looking in the US, then go and find adverts for those roles and then just, you know, get in touch with the company and say, hey, look, I'm another agency owner. I'm not competing with you, not looking to poach your staff, just curious, you know, what did you end up hiring for? Um, and most people are pretty open about those conversations because it's, you know, if we help each other out, then, you know, it makes the world go round. Awesome. That's a, it's a good insight. Um, cause to your point, you never really know it's a mixed bag on these, uh, job salary sites, these job salary indexes. So I think that's good advice. Just go to the source and ask the question on this topic. 
lively debate around this. What's your take on putting salary expectations or ranges in the job post versus not? How do you think through that question? So I am very strongly in favor of it. Um, there's a couple of other kind of job sites that I'm kind of an, an owners that I'm good friends with. A couple have enforced it. Um, we haven't done that yet, but we're probably pretty close to it. You know, we can see the data shows us clearly if someone puts negotiable on the salary range, people in Eastern Europe assume it means that they're lowball and it's cheap and it's really low salary, um, which often isn't the case. Um, so what we tend to do is we're big, big fans. We say put a range and put a wide range if needs be. You know, we did a role recently that there was a range from it was from fifteen hundred dollars to four thousand five hundred dollars because they were prepared to take either someone more junior with a really great attitude or someone really, really senior. Um, they were open to that flex. So what we'll often do is we will put the range and we'll put a comment in the job post to say something like, hey, you know, do you think you're worth more than this? Apply and let us know why. Or do you think you'd like a little bit less than this because you're looking to grow and kind of learn? Just let us know why. So we kind of give ourselves that little caveat. We just don't want to put people off from applying. Um, but yeah, generally what we see is that if there's no salary listed, it puts people off and they just assume the worst. Yeah, it's like the it's like the classified ads with uh, no pictures and a contact me for price. It's like yeah, no one's no one's clicking on that. Yeah, yeah exactly that. <laughs> um, awesome. So last question around this. Uh, any words of advice for those folks that maybe just haven't quite dipped their toes in uh, looking offshore for talent on what they need to be thinking about to be successful in that endeavor? Yeah, so the most important one is time zone. Um, so just think about you know, things that are important to you. So if you are a US West Coast agency, West Coast based agency, right? And you do your daily standups at 4 p.m., right? Then running that with Eastern European team members is gonna be difficult because it's gonna be 2 a.m. for them. Um, however, most, you know, we've got, I've got a number of West Coast agencies and businesses we work with. Most do standups in the morning um, and you can still get kind of three, four hours of crossover without a real problem. So the key thing to think about, especially if you are moving to hybrid working, right? If you're fully remote, it's actually pretty straightforward. It, doesn't really matter and you can get some great kind of arbitrage benefits of people working when you're asleep and you wake up to you know a whole bunch of stuff that's done um if you're hybrid and you've got some people in the office and some people remote you have to take extra effort and make extra effort to make sure that everyone communicates so you know as businesses are coming back into the office post covid but only some people are back in the office if someone walks across to someone else's desk to have a conversation it's almost like they need to turn them away and say hey dude we need to do this on Slack so that the others that aren't here can hear what we're saying, which is crazy. But at the same time, it's a genuine challenge. So main things is, you know, talk to people that have done it. Um, I'm always happy to jump on calls with people and just I'm very, very impartial about it. You know, obviously, I've got a vested interest in helping people hire, but my ultimate interest is in helping people. If it's not right, I'll always tell them there's a lot of success stories out there about the incredible benefits people have had from hiring in Eastern Europe and in kind of places further afield and, you know, dipping their toe in that remote, uh, remote world. Uh, and yeah, I'm always happy to help kind of chat through that, but the, for pretty much any agency owner right now, if you either would like more profit or easier sales, then hiring, you know, equivalent quality or better quality people for lower rates cannot help, but be attractive to you. It's a good call out. And I just want to second, you know, this idea of like 
you have, I, I feel that remote work is a forcing function for communication to be a lot more deliberate. And it's not to say that communication is lazy when you're working in an office, but you can get away with a lot of things that you can't really get away with in a remote uh, world. So I think that's a really good call out that like, you're going to want to be a lot more intentional about communication if you do go down this path. So uh, Noel, this has been a great interview. I'm glad we dug into a lot of the nuance around this. I've learned a lot. For those that want to follow you and the content that you're producing, where should they follow you online? Yeah, just the best bet is head on over to jobrack.eu. Everything we post goes there and there's lots of clear links there. If you want to kind of book a call, just have a chat as we head to the end of, uh, you know, kind of end of the end of the year. Uh, Depending on when this pops out, then, um, you know, always happy to help people figure out what their hiring plans are and uh, where they should look to. But yeah, jobrack.eu. Awesome. So for everyone listening in the show notes, we'll have a link to Jobrack as well as Noel's social profile so you can check him out. And with that, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to this. Let us know wherever you're listening to this, what questions or comments you have. We always love hearing from you. And Noel, thank you very much for being on the show today. This was great. Hey, no worries, Marcel. Great to be here. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you've ever found yourself thinking, man, I get so much value from this podcast. I wish there was something I could do to return the favor. Well, today's your lucky day because you can leave us a review wherever you're listening to this. And it is incredibly helpful. Of course, if you haven't grabbed a free copy of the Agency Profit Toolkit, go and get that. It's got tons of free resources to help you improve your profitability. If you're looking to get in the fast lane and get help from experts to improve your profitability and measure your most important metrics, then apply for a consultation at parakeeto.com. We'd love to chat with you and figure out how we can help. With all of that, thank you so much for being a listener and we will see you on the next episode.